smoke like a mellow sleeve shirt. Focus try to hit him where it hurts. Feeling like a parasite on earth. Mother nature's more than we deserve. Ain't never to that, it's really getting on my nerves. I'm not really in it taking turns. Selfish, but I try to come to terms. Part of the reason I'm cursed. Cash is like a spell in this reverse. Living in the moment and the past is a blur. Is this a horror movie or a joke on a stray? Dark sense of humor left in the burn like an ashtray. I put my feelings in pain on display. They say that room wasn't built in a day. Formative, your shit, my views up like clay. DMT keep me awake. Gotta keep sense of urgency, will keep me working same grade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Agitator. Today, we're going to be talking about Junji Ito's Tomie, a little-known little known manga. I don't know if you heard of it. Pretty crazy. You know, we're always bringing you that underground shit nobody's ever heard of to uh, infect the culture, infect the minds of the youth, to corrupt your kids the way that our guest here today is corrupting them with his music. Whoa, 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 whoa. Our return, <laughs> a fan favorite, Luna D. You might have seen his face on a billboard in Clear Lake, Texas. What's up, man? Is that real? What's up? Yeah, that was real. Um, those are some serious allegations there. I don't think I'm corrupting any children, sir. Hopefully not. <laughs> well, I mean, it is uh, art, you know, art subjective. <laughs> right, you know, right, People right, got different yeah. parenting oh, yeah. styles, you know. I don't know. I be dropping some scary shit sometimes. But yeah, what's up, y'all? Not much. I'm using a Clorox wipe on the floor because my dog pissed on it. I'm so tired of this dog, dude. This dog's old as fuck, and she just will not die. She won't die. <laughs> so she just, like, wanders around the house just pissing, and luckily I got wood floors, so it's not a huge deal. But I'm kind of uh, I've said it on the show before, but I'm kind of a clean freak, which it's been an adjustment having a kid. Cause like nothing is clean anymore but the piss is a step too far so i'm about to i'm about to old yeller this dog oh <laughs> <Take> shit <laughs> <laughs> but hey nobody gives a shit about that right um have you guys seen the north man i haven't yet no i've not oh it's good it's a viking i watched that shit twice i watched it saturday night i watched the north man and then i had sex with my wife for like two hours it was crazy because my son was at his grandma's house and so it was like all the pent up no sex having it all came forth in like just like a straight up just crazy kama sutra back breaking two hours so i'm in i'm in a i'm in a good mood <laughs> you see uh, alexander skarsgård full nude and you're just like let's get <laughs> it on <laughs> yo dude his posture is so bad in this movie like so check it out. His name in the movie is Bjorn Wolf, which is Bear Wolf. 
my name is Osborne, which is Bear God. And I was watching him in this movie, and he's like, he's jacked, he's he's ripped. He's got big traps, right? Like, they focus, they did the Tom Hardy Bane workout, where, like, you just do your traps in your neck, mm-hmm. so you look enormous, uh, which, I mean, you kind of are. I mean, he's a tall guy, he's a big dude. But his posture in the movie is terrible. Like, he's got nerd neck, the whole thing. He's, like, kind of stalking around with his, his like, hunched over and shit. And I have bad posture, too, so I was, like, legit... This dude is just like me. He's basically me. Bro, he's just like me. <laughs> Hell yeah. So I'm trying to, I'm currently, I'm trying to take the Viking shit back from, you know, the neo-Nazi white people. Because that shit is awesome. And it's just, it's wasted on, like, inbred dudes, you know? They're like, I'm a, I'm a bear wolf. But I'm like, no, you're not. You live in fucking Ohio, dude. Like, chill out. I live in Oklahoma, which is actual Viking territory. So... We gotta like reclaim it basically that's true that's true texas is a viking land too yeah yeah houston was discovered by viking no no see i don't know about that <laughs> <laughs> they were, what what if what if i said they were black vikings then i would i'd probably like i'd agree bro i'd yeah. be like yeah i'm related to one <laughs> Dude, people are losing their shit because there were black vikings in this show from bbc it's like i forget what it's called but it's like a viking show and like half the characters are black and people are like, that's not, that's not accurate. It's like, yeah, no, it's it's fiction. None of it's real. It doesn't matter. It's fine. <laughs> They're not real. Black, They're not real people. Black people look cool with dreadlocks, so they make cool looking Vikings. So I don't really give a shit. I don't give a shit about any of that. But what was I gonna say? Oh yeah. So Rios was watching it, and she was like, man, they should make a movie like this, but for Mexicans, right? She's Mexican, and I was like, uh, Apocalypto. <laughs> And she was like, "Oh, that was Mel Gibson." I was like, "Don't be, don't, don't be Mel Gibson." He, it's a good ass. Apocalypse is a great yeah. movie. It's yeah, a, it's a really it, movie. yeah. That movie's fire. Yeah, Mel but, Gibson's off the shits though, dog. Like he's crazy as fuck, man. Oh man, I he's love crazy. crazy artists. They're the best. <laughs> Especially when they're anti-Semitic. Those are the best kinds. It's like, yeah, that's just the right kind of crazy for me. <laughs> Because you know they're going to balance shit out, you know, in Hollywood. You know. That's right. <laughs> oh. So, Tomie uh, is a manga by Junji Ito, who, for my money, is maybe him and Kentaro Miura are, like, the, the best for me. Their art style is unmatched. Um, Tomie was his first manga. He started it in 1987. The year after I was born, so it's been it went from '87 to 2011, and uh, I don't know. I got a whole bunch of shit to talk about, but you want y'all want to summarize what Tomie is actually about? Ooh, okay. So, I mean, as far as the character Tomie, I mean, starts kind of as a victim. But then ends up having a lot of victims, like being like a master level like manipulator, and like I don't know, it's just crazy graphic. Like, all started because her boyfriend like slapped her because she found out that she was having sex with her teacher, and then she fell off a cliff, and then all the boys just like decided, like almost immediately, almost didn't hesitate to just like chop her up and like place her body in places and shit like that. And then she shows up to school the next day and like, I don't know. That's when it all begins. It goes like all fucking downhill from there. Like 
I didn't think a book could make me feel so like uncomfortable sometimes. It was like, damn. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that comes from Ito. He said the inspiration for that was one, uh, when he was in school, a, a boy classmate disappeared on a trip like that. And that kind of stuck with him. So he just changed it to a girl. And, uh, that's one thing that I, that I want to get into eventually with this, like how over the course of 24 years, this idea evolves and you can like see it happening in the, you know, 750 pages of this book. But where does it go from there? Where does it go after, after that? Oh, after that, I think, um, there's like the photography story, I believe she, one of her colleagues or classmates is like taking pictures of the boys and like selling them and they get into it and she like takes a picture of Tomie and it's like fucked off. That's when you start to see like her signature, like growth thing, like how she like regenerates type of thing. You kind of see it in the photography and then ah, it just goes crazy. Like all the, all the different stories of just like all the men, like immediately falling in love with her and then just loving her too much. They have to kill her. That's just, it's just wild. And she, I think she remembers, remembers every time she gets killed too. So it's just like, she splits off and like her different ones get killed. It's just, it's just so much. <laughs> yeah, she's sort of like an idea, almost like a slasher antagonist. And sort of this like Michael Myers, like creature that cannot die, except anytime her body, like part of her body is chopped off or she gets uh, cut deep enough or when she's really stressed out or even traces of her blood left behind will morph into a new version or multiple versions of Tomie. It's so she's a creature and also kind of an idea. She's this all encompassing force that is just like thinner wreak havoc on your life. She is mm -hmm. psycho bitch times infinity. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, she's a hundred percent. She's a virus. Yeah. It's crazy, but like most of the people, most of her victims are like kind of predatory for the most part. Like you know, most of them. Some of them are innocent, but like it's just it's crazy. Ito has this uh, initial conception in in the eighties, and then over several decades keeps using the same character to explore and comment on like a lot of different things. Because I don't feel like Tomie herself could be a symbol for one thing because she evolves over the story to be in the different iterations she appears in the different kind of versions of the Tomie monster that show up is kind of like representing something else I guess over a long period of time it could be saying something about ancestral trauma because like you said she remembers a lot of the time she'd been murdered and so like even though this is a new version of her there's something from the old version of her like way back that she still feels except you know this new version it's like none of that shit actually happened to you though it's like well i'm seeking vengeance but it's like well you're kind of destroying the lives of some people that are just trying to make it you know they didn't do that shit to you so there's like right, right, right. there's some of that going on and then there's like she's a baby at one point oh that was weird the heart that, baby <laughs> the heart baby Obviously, I, I feel like that had a lot to say about parenthood and like, you know what I mean? Like if you're Being locked in a room with a screaming child. Yeah, it's definitely on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> She's like 
I want to play horse. This is Tomie as a head, basically that sprouted from a heart that is swaddled as and and kept in a crib as if it's a baby. Like the you know the sort of the maternal character in that story is like interacting with her, and it's it's Tomie. She's not literally a baby, but she's just sitting there as a helpless head, and she's like, "I want to play horsey. Put me on your back." <laughs> I was like, I, I feel that level of torment from like taking care of a baby sometimes. Yeah, and so like y'all were saying, Tomie is basically a flatworm or a virus who replicates when parts of her body are cut off. And the way that she orchestrates her proliferation in the world is by making men fall in love with her. Because apparently, I mean, she looks like an anime character, so I mean, she's beautiful in the world of manga, I guess. She's got this distinct mole under her left eye. Uh, but what she does is she makes men fall in love with her uh, and then proceeds to enact every negative bipolar characteristic that women are sometimes known for. Shout out Amber Heard. Shout out Amber <laughs> Heard, yeah. Amber Heard is Yo. like real life Tomie. And she tried to cut off Johnny Depp's finger. Maybe Johnny Depp is Tomie. Uh, but, oh my God. So she'll become, you know, increasingly demanding and materialistic. Like I want, I want foie gras and caviar and I want, you don't make enough money. You're not a real man. And she drives these guys crazy. But the trigger every time is that she laughs at them, right? Yeah. Like they'll say something, they'll say something to her like, you know, shut your mouth or I'm going to fucking kill you. And then she laughs and she says like, oh, like, I'm sorry. Was that supposed to be scary? And that's what sets these dudes off. And then they kill her, right? And they kill her so many times. But it, as the stories go on, the killing itself becomes an afterthought. Like you almost like it becomes absurd to the point where once you get later on in the story, <laughs> there's just a guy who has like trash bags full of dog food, mulched up Tomie bits everywhere because he just he keeps trying to you know cut her into tinier and tinier pieces. But back to the method a little bit. I thought it was really interesting because Ito is clearly somebody who will like have a fucked up idea and then his whole shtick is like, let's just follow it. Like Uzumaki, right? A town that becomes obsessed with spirals. Like how, how weird can that get? Or Gyo, like fish start coming out of the sea with like crazy crab legs. And so his idea is basically to just showcase in my opinion, the worst aspects of human nature and show how they continue to proliferate forever, right? There's a little bit of like that whole humanity is a virus idea going on in here, but I think very specifically he's showing the way that, you know, women are terrible, men are terrible, and also a weird, there's something weird going on with like the death drive Y'all ever heard of the death drive? It's this idea from uh, Sigmund Freud, which is that we all carry, uh, like, inside of us, like, the a death drive, right? Like, the, the urge to die. So we do things that actively help to eventually kill us, like smoking or engaging in reckless 
sex with monkeys or whatever is going on in the news right now. Oh no, the monkeypox. The monkeypox. <laughs> <laughs> but there's kind of an element to Tomie that was like brings up this uncomfortable point about her actually wanting to be murdered and chopped up, right? Which is something that we brought up on our uh, on our last show when we were talking about piercing. I had never heard of that uh, death drive concept before. That's that's interesting though. Yeah, because as a uh, as as a rock star, you I imagine you've kind of got several degrees of separation from any kind of recklessness, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, you're you're a clean pretty, living, upstanding man. I've been pretty I've been pretty clean uh, lately these days. Like I've been pretty uh. I've been pretty tame. I, do. <laughs> I mean, comparatively, comparatively speaking, comparatively. Speaking. Right, right. To some, to young, to young Luna. I saw Tomie as representing kind of a lot of that kind of thing beyond the um, binary of just you know is this feminist misogynist? What's the saying about male, female, or even about humanity? It's more like like Tomie is this kind of this thing that will pop up in your life that seems attractive at first and that could be something like you know uh drugs right or or obviously like a toxic relationship or just any kind of like this interest that seems you know intoxicating to the point that you're gonna put your every aspect of yourself and all of your time and devotion into it that ends up actually just like spawning several heads and growing the worm tail and and just trying to suffocate you yeah man it's weird that you mentioned the feminist thing because i read a lot of stuff online with uh you know feminist scholars trying to you know tie themselves in knots like they normally do to like try to prove how tomie is actually like a feminist story which is funny right because it doesn't matter if it's feminist or not. You you dig what you dig, and it doesn't have to have a certain ideology attached to it. But a lot of people feel like you have to do that. You know, like it's like, oh, I can't just like this thing. I got to prove how this is, you know, X Y Z. How this is actually a good thing and a positive thing. But I read an interview <laughs> with uh, with Junji Ito, and he's like, you know, when he first started making these Tomei stories, they appeared in a magazine called. Uh, monthly halloween which is a horror magazine for girls in japan or was and he talked talked about how much fan mail he got from teenage girls who said they wanted to be like tomie right who like looked what? at tomie as a, as a role model so the thing is dude it's fucking this terrifying is what <laughs> i know dude but this is what we've been trying to say on this show right is that like art doesn't art is not constrained by whatever the ideology of the moment is because people are fucking complex you know you think like like we read this and we're like oh damn this is scary or this is unsettling but there are people out there who read that and they're like this is amazing i want to be this very interesting it's like uh you don't have to be kanye to take influence from kanye and you probably shouldn't you don't have to be uh, Tyler Durden. I wanted to be Tyler Durden. Yeah, just uh, just like have this dude 
that you kind of hypnotize. Tyler Durden is the male Tomie, right? Because he kind of like infects he the mind. Yeah. yeah, he proliferates, and it's like everybody's like, "I am Tyler Durden. I am Tyler Durden." Like he, uh, right, right, oh yeah, off. and he has like a following, following of people. Like that was hilarious to me. The the issue later on where she's got the harem of dudes who end up like just like killing each other in a huge pile because they're all trying to kill Tomie at the same time. That to me is what I think, again, good art does this all the time where you have an initial seed of an idea and then you just see how far you can take it, right? So it's like, okay, she hypnotizes dudes, but what if she hypnotized a bunch of dudes? And then what if all those dudes wanted to kill her at the same time? And what if there were multiple Tomies that were sending gangs of dudes after each other i just i love the way that he expands on these ideas that was that was a disturbing one i think one of the most disturbing ones for me was like the hair one Mm -hmm. something about body horror like that just like freaks me the fuck out like like where they attached to just a strand of her hair and then they would like Mm -hmm. get her hair and then at the end the hair just comes out of every pore that was just fucking that was a lot it says like something about beauty standards or something there but it really just got me on the body horror see and the way that i see it is like whatever it you know says about body standards or shallowness or whatever is all in the shadow of the fact that when you see like that that picture of the hair coming out of the girl's face just like a bunch of little bits of hair that she put in there and then like you said at the end where she starts like vomiting hair and the hair just like overcomes her that visceral reaction is pretty much i don't know it's just like it's it's a something that you don't you don't see that every day at least i don't absolutely (laughs) so it's just kind of i don't know it's kind of cool to just be able to exist in this universe where this this thing exists man you don't get more visceral than hair there's something about like you can understand the texture, especially dudes with luscious beards, you know, can understand that, that like taste in your mouth and just see the, uh, <laughs> the fucking, the Vikings probably would have really connected to that story too. They'd be like, oh my God, could you imagine? I need to, I need to cut this shit off before I, before I swallow it. I feel like you're not respecting Vikings right now. I feel like you're making a joke out of Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> I said they ruled. I said I want to see the Northmen. You know, I kind of am with you in spirit on this enjoyment of a. Uh, I saw Alexander Skarsgård in the new episode of Atlanta, and uh, mm-hmm. he he got almost naked in that one. He yeah. does he does this little dance, but he's speaking in his true blood accent. Where he's like, "Hey, ladies, y'all want me to get naked and dance for you?" And they're like, "Hell yeah!" Isn't that? And his dad is in a bunch of movies. His dad is uh, Stellan Skarsgård, right? Like, wasn't in, he in Thor? Yeah, yeah, the old guy from Thor who gets naked. They like getting naked. <sighs> yeah, man, I know, I know. Shit's crazy. It's human nature. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys ever had a, a Tomie figure in your life? Oh no. Uh, I mean, that's not my answer, but um, <laughs> kind of, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> yeah, n- definitely. What did she do? Uh, just like weird, like manipulative things. And she was also like 
pretty and vain and like that. But I, I kind of like fed into it. I wasn't, I wasn't like gonna kill her or anything. But like, <laughs> that's why I can't say it wasn't exactly the same. But you know, pretty similar, scary situation. Do you ever want to? I think like, damn, uh, I just wanna fucking kill this bitch. <laughs> I make a lot of, jo- I make a lot of jokey jokes. Right, like, jokey like joke. anytime in, I, in Minecraft, any, right? Any t- yeah. Anytime my friends are like complaining about their significant others, I'm like, we can just kill her, and they're like, dude, don't, don't stop saying that. <laughs> I know, cause it can come back to haunt you, like Johnny Depp, <laughs> who did, who did like nothing wrong, but he sent some texts, like I'm gonna bury her in the desert, and they're in in court now, being like, see, he's crazy. It's like, no, it's just oh, how you shit. blow off steam. You just talk about murdering women. It's, it's <laughs> how guys have fun. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yeah how about you Kobe you ever have a BPD psycho I had an experience exactly like Tommy eh? really you chopped her up I'm just gonna say I had an experience exactly like Tommy eh? yeah, that's crazy yeah I mean who hasn't at a certain you hit a certain age especially I mean it's the right time period to start this narrative is like high school because that's if you make it to high school and you're not like the boy who finds her on the beach, you know, it's a rite of passage story, I feel like, too. Tomie is about overcoming this hurdle because uh, she shows up as kind of a test. And it's like, are you going to get killed by her or are you going to be the one to overcome her? And the boy got the short end of the stick in there where he... Uh, he gets hypnotized into kind of adopting her as this mother figure and bringing her all this stuff, stealing for her and uh, committing jealous murder uh, for her when the the man when he catches the man making out with her and um, you know and he ends up as we find out in like the the epilogue narrative or whatever he's like grows up to be a multiple felon and spends the rest of his life in prison so yo that was one of the craziest endings to any of these stories it's on one panel you know like it's this whole story and it's a i think i felt like it was a really touching i felt bad for the mom right like the Mm -hmm. actual mom because her boy is basically hypnotized by tomie into thinking that tomie is his mother so like kelby said he's stealing shit and killing people and his mom is just like what the fuck is wrong with my kid so she's like tying him to a post and he's just screaming like i want my mom so i felt bad for the mom so you go through this whole story and then on the very last page of it the very last panel it's like in the end he committed multiple murders and was killed by lethal injection (laughs) it's like what the fuck (laughs) yeah right and and the dad left too after he met tomie he just like was never saw again right she lost her husband as well yeah. yeah, the dad got sucked in. I like that the only people who are able to resist Tomie, one is the guy who, uh, whose girlfriend died, right? And he's still in love with her. So he's got love that's too strong to break. And the other one is like the butt-ass ugly incel dude who just like hates women. Like he's completely <laughs> oh, immune. Oh, that's rough. He's just, and it's, I was like, dude, this book is really saying something. Like, incels have power, right? Because they're the only ones, they're the only ones who can resist uh, Tomie. 
right? But she's still, I love how in that thing she still gets him though, right? That might be my favorite story in the whole book. P- uh, Little Fingers, I think is what it's called. Oh, that's fucked. Because cause she, at the end she's like, ah, I got you, motherfucker. Like, you know, found that's something right. that you. That's right, yeah, because like he uh, he's trying to escape and he cuts off her fingers to like let let him go, but the fingers like crawl into his pocket, so he's hiding out in a cave. Uh, it's a long story, but he's like framed for the murders that his older brothers did in Tomie's name. So he's hiding in a cave, and the fingers start to grow, uh, but the pinky is like all shriveled and fucked up looking, and so him being fucked up looking, also he starts to feel bad for how the other Tomies bully the pinky and so finally at the very end he's like i'll protect you pinky i love you and then the pinky immediately turns into a like a pretty Tomie, and it's like ha fucking dumb bitch and then she walks away <laughs> like she just oh she, she, she had to get him <laughs> it's like... sometimes women are like that too women just they don't like being ignored and they just they all they want is for you to like give in you know to just be like i love you and then something switch like a flip or a, a switch gets flipped <laughs> something switches like they're a flip. like <laughs> switches like a flip and then they and then they don't want you anymore that's bars they're just like okay cool on on to the next one on to the next one that was a cruel fucking story so cruel y'all got any favorites in this one? Oh, dude i think um the model one the the male model guy like his whole story arc is fucking crazy like like he his like reverse revenge or it's like towards the end like his reverse revenge type of thing on Tomie pretty brilliant actually that one's rough too because it, it's interesting that that one uh and, unless I'm just not remembering that one doesn't have one of those Tomie set pieces where it's like some kind of crazy creature but like it's it might be one of the most brutal ones, but it's just a... Uh, kind of does. I mean, the concrete block is a is pretty scary. Like, when she comes out the block... At the end. Is that the top model one? Or that's a continuation of the top model one, right? Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because this... Right. Yeah, the model one itself doesn't have a, doesn't have a gotcha moment. It's set up real interestingly in that there's, like, arcs, and within those arcs are, like, little short stories. It's, like, short stories within short stories, where there's some... Throughout Tomie, the only continuing plot device and continuing, like, character is Tomie. And there's, like, some arcs where you follow a protagonist for a few stories until that wraps up, and there's some that are kind of single-serving in themselves... Uh, like the the snow one revenge was an interesting just little short hiking trip horror story where they they're going up a mountain to meet Tomie in a cave they think she's a dead woman who is you know left there naked and then she turns her head and drives one of them mad to the point where he takes off all his clothes to give to her to keep her warm and then uh the the other one is when they come up on a uh what are those things? Emergency shelter. They find an emergency shelter and hole up. And he's saying he's he's on this hike to find his brother who went missing. And he's just following this lead that, you know, said, well, he was hiking in this area. And she tells her story of how she got there as like this, this man brought her there, chopped her up and, you know, spread her pieces of her body around. 
And, um, you know, you find out that they're telling the same story, basically, that the guy's brother had killed Tomie, brought her up to this mountain, and then instead of finding his brother, he finds Tomie. And, like, that was... I don't, I don't remember why I got into that one, but since we're talking about it, as soon as she got done with her story, my immediate thought was like, yeah, but what'd you do? What did you do to warrant this reaction? Did you shit in his bed or like cut off his oh, finger? No. <laughs> Perhaps. Yo, I love that. I love that Luna knows everything about this Depp and Amber Heard trial. Because every reference that we've made, there's been the immediate like, "Oh man." Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> so that means I, that this guy. That means this guy's on YouTube though. He's checking it out. He's like, he's nah, like I know the details. I just, I've been compared to Johnny Depp too many times just because I wear like eyeshadow and shit. So I just, I'm right. up on it, you know. People keep right. me up so on it. So you're basically you're, you're Team Depp because you feel like uh, <laughs> a, a, this kind of kinship with him. You're like, okay. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, you both uh, <laughs> goth pirates. I mean, we all know you started it though, right? Because like, yeah, somehow, yeah. Oh yeah, how's the heat? You were talking about how being a goth is hard in the heat so how are you how are you holding up um i stay inside a lot and i have an umbrella to block the sun but that's about it anytime i go anywhere i'm just prepared to sweat a lot it's okay though. <laughs> why is there sweat is it leather are you wearing leather is that what's going on you got like bondage nah bro texas just sucks like it's so hot and humid Tell me, tell him, bro. Tell yeah, him, bro. Yeah, tell him about no. Texas, bro. I feel like goths are terrible like out here. primed for Texas, too. Because every, every year, people will be like... It was crazy, as I hear it most from people in construction. Like, people who work outside will be like, Fuck, man, it's getting hot. I can't take this shit. <laughs> I'm like, bro, it, you grew You're up in Texas. Day. It's every, every year you say the same shit. It's like, <laughs> we had our two weeks of winter. That's over. And it's back to hot as balls again. Like, at least goths prep for that shit. They're like, I've got, like you said, you're like, I'm just ready to sweat. I got the umbrella. I wish I was goth just for the umbrellas. Like, that's, I like, I I just, I like that aesthetic, being able to just walk around with a a nice little umbrella. It's kind of, like, off-putting. I just had this image of, like, Kelby getting blown away on an umbrella, just, like, holding on, and, like, the wind just carries him off. He's out over the over the Gulf Coast somewhere. <laughs> like, where's Kelby? Like, he just he wouldn't he wouldn't let go of the umbrella. Wouldn't let go. <laughs> I'm like a Studio Ghibli character. As soon as I step out and open the umbrella, it's just whoosh, and I fly away. <laughs> yeah, that would be me too. Let's get that animated. Yeah, that that'd be me. Cause I don't weigh a whole lot. So like, just a little gust of wind. How much? How much do you weigh? How much do you weigh? Weigh Let's like do a weight check here. Yeah, no, I can't lie. I weigh like 130 pounds. 130. How much do you weigh, Luna? Um, I stepped on a scale like a couple days ago. It was 145. Nice. 145. Damn, I'm a big bitch. I weigh 170. <laughs> no, we we me and Kelby are just small. Yeah, we got the the crackhead bod. You're like <laughs> absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> You got those like pounds. calisthenics are, are being nice to you though, but like 
Yeah, I got the I got the Norse. Uh, what is it? I got like the I got Viking body, bro. Like I just I'm you know, got big thick tree trunk legs, huge traps. You know what's crazy though? Like I'm going to the gym today because I gotta I gotta get back into it because it's been way too long since my son was born since I worked out. But like the thing that's crazy is that like I put on weight like a woman. I, I'll get if I don't work out, I'll get pear shaped. Like I'll get these big childbearing hips and a luscious fat booty and like... <laughs> the childbearing hips that got me. So I I I've got to work out. So these hips will bear children. <laughs> what? They'll be they'll be ready to catch the baby because the right the like Viking birth is like tying a woman to a tree and then standing beneath her to like uh, you gotta get in like a football position it's some kind of like hiking like a kick returner yeah 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 no no, you tie her to a tree you get her legs up and then you actually suck the baby out of her pussy oh (laughs) damn (laughs) (laughs) and then you bite the cord yeah (laughs) absolutely that's the best thing i've ever heard (laughs) a history lesson yeah the more you completely accurate the more you know uh the black vikings invented that method actually (laughs) they skipped Mm -hmm. over that in history class for sure though oh yeah they they always want to bury you know the truth black black history Yep. <laughs> Damn. I hate it when the truth gets buried and you have to uncover it. Speaking of uncovering, I think that was my favorite story was uh Assassins. Mm-hmm. It like starts off with these dudes just trying to kill Tomie. Like we get right into the thick of it and there's dudes just trying to like hack her up in back alleys and shit. And this guy saves her, like, sees it going on, and is like, what the fuck? Like, I gotta help this girl out. And, uh, but she gets stabbed, uh, by one of the assassins, and then she's telling him, like, these guys are hunting me down, I know that they were sent after me, and, and, uh, she's like, I'm dying, I'm gonna need you to, I want you to bury me, um, in the woods, it's my dying request. And he's, like, sorta hypnotized into doing it, he's like, why am I why am I doing this for her? And um, he buries her, but then as he's burying her, he hears like, no, wait, help me. And uh, he's like, what the fuck? Like, so he starts like digging her back out. And um, she's like, no, not the head, the chest. Cause he, he hasn't covered her face yet. And he tries pulling her out by the hair or whatever. And you can hear underground. She's like, no, the chest, the chest. He's like, what the chest? And he like unearths her chest, her chestal region, and there's this other Tomie head that has popped out and is like surprise, and he uh, rips the um, he rips the face, Klaatu style. Yeah, yeah, rips her face off of her chest and brings her home, and that was just I don't know, just all the like imagery in that one, and just how he's caring for this little head that then you know convinces him to protect her and then it's kind of like 
claiming him as her lover and like we're you know you're gonna support me and you know all that succubus shit and then like and just the artwork of that one there's something about this story how it's been it started in the 80s and you know kept going and he the more he was teasing out different like perspectives and putting Tomie into different scenarios and like you know making her represent different things and just following just sort of making it up as he goes along you know it's a it's a story it's it's like sort of folklorish it's like you know there's not really like a uh a clear message it's a take what you will kind of thing from it um it's a it's a horror story is what it is really it's just like here's this concept and now i'm gonna make it terrifying and brutal but like over time the art develops as the character and the mythos and everything else is evolving it's like the art style develops as well to where from before it starts off with like real uh clean high contrast black and white like sharp lines sort of crisp edges and everything to being more and more um shaded by like he uses that line shading where it's not there's no like soft shadows it's all harsh like pencil strokes of just like black ink lines all over the page and it's just and the any kind of like sweat or wind or blood or like goosebumps or whatever like the detail gets more intense and jagged uh to where you start to feel like the the horror like through the art style like in the later uh in the later stories yeah i was that was some like mesmerizing artwork throughout the whole book honestly and like um the way you were saying that there were set pieces in a lot of the chapters i'm just starting to realize now those are the ones that i find myself spending a little bit more time on just like looking at the detail of those because they're just insane to look at what were y'all's favorite set pieces oh dude oh easy uh i was thinking about this a second ago this is probably like the um the sake monster you know what i mean like whenever they had that like hallucination of like the uh, then it was it was like a bunch of bubbling little tomies and then it was like one big fucking like all of, all of that shit it was like a couple pages of just like just fucking hallucinations and madness um beautifully drawn fucking crazy that that would probably be my favorite uh, it's hard to choose from though yeah the tomie that's in the house to the the sister i mean the mansion was uh yeah. the mansion the one that's like kept under lock and key and then you know, the door opens and just an enormous Tomie head pops out. And then it's got this, you know, kind of weird earthworm body going on. That one is mad disturbing. Yeah, and he was talking, like, Ito talks about this, about how he makes kind of, like, his, his creatures, like, the whether it's Uzumaki or Tomie or whatever. And he's, like, I love that, I love when artists, like, they don't overthink shit, right? Like, Luda, if I was to ask you about, like, your songwriting process... I'll bet you would just be like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I made some shit, and it sounded good, so. Basically, you know, definitely. Pretty similar that's to that. That's why I don't, yeah, that's why I don't like podcasts that have visual artists or musicians on it. No offense. Because unless we're talking about something like Tomie or, you know, or I'd be interested to talk to you about, like, your life. But when it comes to their art, they're just kind of like, I don't know. So Ito is like when whenever they ask him about like how do you come up with this shit he's like i put things together that like shouldn't be put together and it looks it kind of looks crazy 
They're like, what is there like a deeper thought behind it? He's like, no, no, no. I just, I just keep doing this thing. Yeah, I just thought that would look cool. Uh, the carpet. I mean, the mansion monster might be my favorite as well. But uh, and then of course the classic like if you've ever googled Tomie or whatever you've probably seen the artwork of like the legions of Tomie rising out of the water before but uh the carpet scene yeah 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 and the photographer storyline whenever the her blood has soaked into the carpet and then a version of Tomie starts coming out of the like carpet lining and all the like fucking underlay of the carpet and everything and she like is this sort of wrinkly plastic bag version of Tomie that's like reaching for him and and then later becomes when they roll up the carpet and throw it in the dump to try and get rid of it the little blood spatters start sprouting their own versions of Tomie over time and it's just this like legion that comes out of a rolled up tossed out carpet and I just who comes up with that shit like that's fucking insane (laughs) for real for real that was a really good story i forgot about that one that one's kind of towards the beginning yeah and i felt like for uh i mean there's times again where you can see i don't know there might have been times where i could have related to tomie maybe i can't remember maybe not but especially in some of these stories i'm like i really feel for like her victims like especially that photo one it's like you know chick's just creating a hustle it's not like she's lying to these people she's like you want you want these photos of these boys yeah that'll be fifty thousand yen bitch pay up and they're like what this is extortion and she's like i mean supply and demand you gonna take their pictures right right right. like if you if you don't if you don't want it then don't don't buy it yeah (laughs) yeah i felt bad for her too uh because it's just like and the fact that she gets like shamed like oh you are perverting the use of the photography class it's like do you know anything about dude as soon as human beings invented cameras they started filming people fucking in front of them like that's that's like the first shit they did that's everybody's first idea it's like hey we got this new vr headset and it's like oh sweet i'm gonna go on Pornhub with it you know like that's just like it's just human beings first impulse to do that so this idea that they're like you know the sacred the sacred camera cannot be uh, perverted at any cost it's like i mean uh, yes it can of course it can yeah yeah it's like we have this new uh homemaker robot it's like can it suck my dick like well yeah, it, it can exactly. it can vacuum your floor oh so it, so you're saying it can <laughs> is it like the suction kind or like the rolling kind you know like what kind of vacuum are we talking about <laughs> what kind of suction what kind of suck we talking about here (laughs) what kind of suck we talking about here i got some hey let's get down to brass tacks what kind of suck we talking about here (laughs) i'm gonna say to my wife next time we're in bed i'm gonna be like hey look (laughs) let's let's just fuck let's quit let's quit playing games here what kind of suck we talking about she's she's gonna be like what And then I'm going to be like, shh, 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 shh. Ask the question. Ask the question. And then I'll never get laid ever again. It'll be hilarious. We'll do. We'll, we'll have Luna back for episode 66. And we'll be like, hey, did you ha- ever have sex again after that? I'll be like, no, no. That's, that's, in, the, that's in the deep past. No, the Viking sex was it. 
That was it. <laughs> that was the final sword in the stone. You know, there is a there is a sword in the stone element to the Northman. Like he can't he can't take the sword out of its uh, scabbard unless it's at night under a full moon. It's pretty badass. It's cool. He gets the sword from like this big undead skeleton warrior. It's so tight. Hell yeah. Damn, that sounds that sounds pretty fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're not advertising it has, this movie the right way. It has yeah, right, crazy right. like supernatural elements throughout the whole movie. The the climax takes place in a volcano, like Revenge of the Sith. It's like two dudes with no shirt, like sword fighting in a volcano. Um there's like they go on crazy like peyote vision journeys where they can like see the tree of life inside each other's hearts and there's like the undead warrior thing there's like crazy magic in it like because like his his blade is magical you don't see how it works but like there's one part where he he kills these two bad guys off screen and when the other bad guys wake up in the morning like all the all the dead bad guys body parts are like arranged in a word up on this building it's crazy dude like I, I i shouted many times watching this movie like was this did somebody literally just make a movie for me like exactly the kind of shit that i want to see so anyway i guess this is the north man podcast with a little bit of tommy <laughs> i wanted to ask you luna about because you've got you yourself have referenced uh junji ito and lyrics um i've also seen junji ito artwork on several you know like soundcloud album covers or underground rap merch and stuff like what is it for you at least or speak on behalf of all rappers like you know what uh what is it about ito that resonates (laughs) so i think what might resonate is probably mostly the artwork maybe more so than the actual uh literature like people reading it just because like the artwork is is what it is you know it's crazy detailed uh, just black and white, like line drawings that are just like something else to look at. You know, they're usually something you don't see every day, like multiple heads and like crazy spirals and all this stuff. It's just dark and kind of like kind of on the same wave as a lot of the way that some of the music has been. Um, it's kind of like a good representation of how some of the how, how dark some of the underground uh, sounds have been. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it, sometimes. I, I've been posting, um, like, on my story, just me, like, reading reading Tomie, like, posting some of my favorite, um, what you would call, like, the, the pieces, like, set pieces. And a lot of people, like, slide up and be like, oh, you're reading Tomie, like, blah, 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 you know what I mean? So, like, this kind of stuff is very, very popular in um, this community. I didn't, I didn't really realize, you know what I mean? It's, it's cool, though. Yeah, it's one of those, uh, something we talk about a lot on the show, and, that, you know, we've kind of mentioned throughout this episode as well, is, like... The key to a lot of great art is just not thinking about it and also being cool or making something cool is like a pure and I I think positive motive to making art is like, why this? It looked really cool. Did, Did you have any deep thought about it? It's like, not really. Like, I thought this would be pretty dope. And, you know, there's something to tease out of that as a, well, it's just how you get the, the pure subconscious, you know, manifested into, into art, right? Is to not, not think about this shit too much. You get the best art by not thinking about it. Yeah. 
And that might be why, you know, some of my favorite musicians like yourself just just get high and just wake up and and get high and not think about the shit and just do it. Facts, do bro, still, facts. Do you, do you still uh do you still consider yourself a rapper? There's a lot of singing. Sometimes. I still do like to rap. Like I just recorded a a rap feature for a friend. I still do it, but right now I'm trying to pursue uh, my band a little bit more. Right. Y'all did uh, South by Southwest, right? No, actually, that was I, that was my last solo performance. Um, right after I stepped off that stage, I was like, fuck this. I want to do a band. Like, I was, like, kind of tired of rap shows. Yeah. Why? Uh, hmm, multiple reasons. Um, one of them being that I always stick out like a sore thumb but i mean that's not necessarily a terrible thing but i'd go to like a rap show that i'm performing at and i play like i play five songs and three of them are rock songs and sometimes that's received well and sometimes it just feels like really weird and um also i've just been been thinking that my music could sound a lot more full if i had the band there's like a different energy when you're in a band i was i grew up being in a band so it's just like feelings of missing that uh camaraderie like on stage and just making something with multiple people on there besides myself you know just the direction i've been really really pushing to go in i was really honestly thinking of uh tomie as kind of an art scene metaphor as well of like this you know this field this scene this community or whatever is really appealing and then you get into it and it like tries to mold you into what it demands from you certain things that you like that are more materialist more shallow more like you know with the rap it's like like say the rap scene it would be like you got to be like this and you're like well nah but like i'm like a goth pirate though and they're like nah you need some more chains uh, you need to model yourself a little bit more after the baby and a little bit less after Jack Sparrow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Type <laughs> shit or like rap about this or like you know, it's 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 weird. Is there a place? That's what got, that's what got me out of the rap game too. Actually. Yeah, I felt like I couldn't be myself. You know? Yeah, that's that's I why you, that's why we chunk deuces. You know, we started a band. Said said fuck this rap shit. I also think they're letting too many gay people in now, so I was just like, fuck this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm going the way of the baby. Marilyn Manson, what's up? <laughs> oh, shit. Agitator is our band now, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're, uh, where we do a live improvisational performance once a week and then post it on the internet. And, uh, that's kind of how I look at podcasting, though, for real. Like, I'm actually not joking. It is sort of that. You know, some people approach podcasting as this is my interview series or this is my, you know, my documentary on XYZ subject or this is my chance to... But I don't go into any of these episodes with any real idea of what's going to happen because I think that the cool shit is in the, the spontaneous moment of performance itself that's like that's how magic works that's how that's how a lot of shit works you know that's why i look forward to it like if i knew what i was going to say walking in here outside of you know a few th- like with tommy i had a few thoughts about like 
you know, the feminist stuff and the fact that girls really like tummy, whatever, whatever. But that took up like five minutes of the show. And the rest of it is just, it's like listening, it's call and response. It's a, it's like an interaction, kind of like a, I don't know, like a live music performance, except nobody can dance to it. Right, right. There's no moshing. No moshing. Although I wouldn't be against it. I, I encourage yeah. moshing to episodes of Agitator. <laughs> Just, you've got it in the, in the AirPods walking down the street. You just find the closest little Pomeranian dog at the end of uh, some Tomie bitch's leash. You just pick that oh, dog up, of music, swing it around speaking your music, head, dude. and smash it into the ground. Jesus Christ. I, uh, <laughs> I, was, uh, I was uploading this to, because uh, the podcatcher service like offers it on iHeartRadio now, speaking of music, and the last episode you put, uh, Kelby put a Freddie Gibbs at the beginning of the episode, and iHeartRadio specifically asks, like, do you have the license uh, for all the music that you use on your show? And I was just like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. <laughs> it's like, what do you care? You're not going to... They're like, you're not allowed to use this. Why? Because we're not paying Freddie Gibbs. Neither are you, Spotify. <laughs> yeah, that's Damn. Really, that's so, true. so true. Call so them true. out. <laughs> yeah. And if we ever get big enough to for them to actually care then that means that uh, we don't have any more problems because we're actually making money. So just be like, okay, give Freddie Gibbs. Freddie Gibbs is amazing. I heard him on Joe Rogan, and he has the attitude of a rapper that I really enjoy, which is just because he's getting into podcasting now. And Rogan was like, well, are, are you going to rap anymore? And he's like, honestly, like maybe, maybe not. He's like, I never really cared. He's like, I was just doing this to make money. I was like, that's honest. And I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> so just being like, yeah, no. It's like, you have a voice like Freddie Gibbs' voice. And you're like, oh, okay. Like, this will, like, I can rhyme words and my voice sounds really cool. So I'm going to do this shit until I have millions of dollars. And then I'm going to do something else. Yeah, he's tried his hand at acting a little bit. And he's fucking hilarious. What did he act in? Uh, well, shit. He's in something now on Peacock, but he was in a Loiter Squad episode, like, ten years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was great. Man, bring back Loiter Squad. That shit rolled. Absolutely. I consider Odd Future as, like, such a big moment in, in culture that, like, it's sort of like before Christ and, and after, like, BCAD, there's, like, BOF and AOF. Yep. Yep. It's it was crazy, huge bro. and it's it's kind of been sad to see how like you know they've had to walk back a lot of their best impulses. Earl is the classic case, you know. He's like, "Oh, I was 16. I didn't know." Uh Tyler is like pretending to be gay. Like there's a lot of like weird shit that goes on there. <laughs> it's like, "You guys were good when it was just crazy, you know?" Dude, honestly, I seen I seen Tyler live last month and it was beautiful. Like he has money yeah, now to it. make his shows. Yeah, it was fucking. They went the whole nine, bro. It was in the Toyota Center. Like, 
They have fireworks. Like, he had two fucking stages and a boat that took him in between the two stages and shit. He played all the awesome. offensive all the offensive bangers and shit. He played Yonkers, you know what I mean? Like, Hell yeah. Yeah. But instead, that's, he, that's was like, I mean, he was like, I'm a fucking homosexual. <laughs> like... <laughs> yeah no he uh he is a genius i mean his production ability is almost unmatched except for maybe like kanye or whoever but yeah i don't know i feel like culture is all it's all turning back right i've been thinking about 12 year cycles and i feel like everything started to go downhill in 2012 but we're almost to 2024 and I think that everybody's going to get, like, too broke and too economically precarious to give a shit about woke shit anymore. So we'll just go back to being able to have fun again without everybody, you know, complaining about everything. They'll just put a bunch of drugs in a blender and uh, until you're vomiting up blood and shooting obscene rap videos with your... With your homies on a fisheye lens camera. Dude, that video, I mean, when you talk about things that just like had a huge influence on on me personally, that video is up there. Because I think I was like, when that video came out, I think I was like maybe 24 or 25. And that to me is like, that's like the golden age of, that's my golden age of rap was like the original Odd Future Danny Brown's Triple X had just come out. Uh, yeah. That's Racist was doing. Bro, I went to a That's Racist show, and Danny Brown was there, and I got, like, a Triple X shirt signed. It was the first picture I ever put on IG from 2011 was of my signed, me wearing my signed Danny Brown shirt. And I remember I was just, like, talking to him. I was like, I fucking love your your music, man. It's so It's so good. And he was just high as fuck. He was like, thanks. It was like a classic, uh, you know, like fanboy moment where I'm like pouring out love, and of course it's not, it's not his fault. He doesn't know me, but he's just like kind of. That's just like Tuesday for him. So he was like, "Yeah, thank you." But that to me was like the golden age of culture in general. It was like 2010, 2011, and then 2012. Everything started to change. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I graduated from high school, man. I felt fucking free. 2012? Uh, 2011. 2011. Yeah, it was a good time. I had been grad... I'd been, I was just out of college, actually, at that point. So, No, I was in college. No, because it took me forever to finish college. It took me like seven years to finish school. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. And it's not that... It's not that every... It's not that all recent rap music is bad i just feel like uh rap is like it's got a a real youthful vibe to it and once you stop being a youth it's like hard to it's hard to relate to some elements of rap music right because i know kelby's a huge kevin kevin gates fan and i've always thought kevin gates was good because that's not really like it's not really rap music like for for kids but i don't know i go back and forth i'm just like I feel like there's a, a, a kind of honorable thing in being old and just being like, this was the time when everything was beautiful and now I'm old and I don't get it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> everything was beautiful and nothing hurt. 
And nothing hurt. That's right. Yeah, Kurt Vonnegut was talking about uh, rap music. He's talking about triple X. Mm-hmm. I know every every word to that. I mean, like, I just... I think that's, like, a perfect record. Sent your bitch a dick yes. pic, and now she need glasses. She need glasses, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and even like if it's sour, like I might eat favorite. it in the shower. Oh yeah, Die Like a Rockstar is good. I just love all his ratchet references to Conolingus. Like he has to talk about the way that it tastes and like... You want some more mac and cheese, buddy? I'm feeding my son mac and cheese through half this conversation, by the way. That's why he's been so quiet. Oh, hell hell yeah. yeah. Hey, have have y'all heard the new Kendrick album? I'm kind of obsessed with it. I think it's kind of made me want to rap a little bit more. It inspired me a little bit. Like, when you asked me if I rap, if I consider myself a rapper earlier, I was thinking about it. Um, only after inspiration, really. So it's, it was sparked after Tyler dropped his last album. And then I think, like, hearing Kendrick's album, that's why, like, recently I've been, like, looking at rap beats again and kind of thinking about wordplay and shit, you know. Inspiration. I have not heard it, no. Oh, it's, yeah, oh, it's so, no. it is so, it's for an older listener for sure. Like, kids hate this shit online. Right. <laughs> Right. Except for like two songs, but it's a lot. And it has one of my favorite. It's not considered a skit. Like it's not called a skit or an interlude. But it's a uh, uh, the one where he, it's that duet where they're like, "Now fuck you, bitch," and you know, going back and oh, forth. Oh, that song. Like it yeah, is a song, is but it feels like a skit. And I was like, "This is the best skit I've ever heard." Yeah, the beat is actually produced by Alchemist too, I believe. So oh, hell yeah. oh yeah, that makes sense. It's a it's it's a banger. Like it's uh, it's kind of unsettling to listen to because you feel like you're in the room on an argument for like mm-hmm. three minutes, mm-hmm. and you're like you're like, can I get out of this? So it's mm-hmm. crazy. And then at the it's end when it flips and it's like, no, from fuck you to like now fuck me, now fuck me. <laughs> like yeah. yeah, it's like oh shit, I gotta get out of here, dog. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no what you like those two albums actually uh make total sense because they're sort of ushering in something about music where it's like can we bring this back to because even kendrick himself is somebody who has kind of been uh an anti-rap i don't know kendrick got a little oprah for a while there where he was like uh i don't know his concepts and I can't blame it all on him. Like, I don't know if, you know, because he's so mainstream, if, like, a lot of it was management not allowing his concept to come out in an honest way. And this album feels a lot more honest. And I think that's why he's getting in trouble for, like, some of the lyrics he has on it is because it, it just... It feels like he's actually saying shit that, like, he thought of and not um, not catering so much as, like... Right, it wasn't, it wasn't pressured by any... any record label or anything like that or yeah and like if he had to go through all that shit to be able to be trusted to be like say what you want now then you know so be it like we said cycles you know tyler had to go gay for a while to be able to to do his thing again and gay gay for pay (laughs) gay for pay though tyler i've i love i love every tyler album I don't love every Kendrick album, but I have loved, like, every Tyler album. You know what I want? I want a new Absol album. That's what I want. It was always my favorite. 
He's been quiet. Or I feel like mm-hmm. he's been quiet. I haven't heard anything about him. He got too close to the truth, you know. He's always he's opening the third eye and talking about the Illuminati and conspiracies. Those were always the yeah the Absol record from like yeah around that same time like 2011 or whatever. I was like, oh, this is cool. This is like if Alex Jones rapped. Uh, yeah, control system. My God. <laughs> he's quiet. Yeah, he's quiet. It's the one that's got like the 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 weird geometric patterns on the cover. Yeah, yeah. It's got a, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. a terrorist threats with uh, Danny Brown. Yep. And your name, right. yep. Yeah. Is that how you say your name? Yeah. Right. The booty like groceries girl. Is that? Yeah, that's yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Well. Anyway, I want more of that. I don't know. I just want, like. Have you guys heard RXK nephew? <laughs> RXK. Uh. Uh-uh. Oh, bro. He's crazy. He's like, he's genuinely got schizophrenia, I think. But he's got, you just reminded me with uh, terrorist threats. Like, he's got a song called American Terrorist, and it's nine minutes long. And he's just like, he, you got to listen. After we hang up, you got to go listen to that song. And it's just whatever comes to his, his head. And it goes to some like crazy, but he like raps about the Illuminati. And like, he loves Trump. And. I don't know. It's just it's just fucking weird, man. But it's definitely worth <laughs> listening to. It definitely it's like outs- outsider music, but right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it feels schizophrenic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But him, RXK Poppy and RXK Nephew, they both do this kind like I think that they've done albums together before. But uh yeah, Gus likes them too. <laughs> but they that's actually some shit that like I start to Yes, that's right. You remember that album, right? Yeah, yeah I guess he's done talking. Uh, anyway, it's good. Mm-hmm. RXK Poppy, not RXK Dada. Dada? RXK Dada. <laughs> Dude, so like a couple of books ago, were, like the last book I finished was uh, Dead Boy. I don't know if I got a chance to tell you. That shit was fucking awesome. Like, oh, thanks, man. Congratulations on making a book that I'm probably going to read a couple more times. It's fucking so interesting. <laughs> that's awesome to hear. No, that's what we... See, that's the whole uh, the short book idea, is that it, we want them to have replayability. Like, yeah, it felt the like same I was like, you... reading a movie, like a really fucking cool movie or something. Like I was just like right. watching it, and just, it has replay value. Right, that you could just pick up and be like, you know what, that was fun, and it's got like... It's it's funny, it's violent, it's weird, and you can, I don't know, yeah, that's like, I think Kelby and I are both working on longer books now, but for a while that was kind of like the whole idea. Like, how do we make a book that, number one, gets people who aren't huge readers to read, right? Um, but also people who are readers to read it multiple times, like you were saying. So that's good to hear. Yeah, bro. And like, honestly, it was funny, like reading it, I would be like, oh, that seems like something Kelby would say. And I'm like, part of it, I'm like, oh, that's, that's something JDO would say. It's like cool to see all this like writing personality shine through together. It was cool, man. Thank you. Well, now we, that, I think it means we got to do another one. No, I think so. I think so. Wink, wink, wink. We'll take a, we'll take a weekend. No. We'll come up with a. (laughs) Yeah, let's pick a weekend. But. All right. Do you guys have any uh, like final thoughts on? I, I feel like we had a really good Tomie discussion at the beginning. So, if you don't, that's fine. But 
Is there any final Tomie thoughts? Well, um, I might find myself reading a couple of chapters of that again just because it was so jarring and just interesting, beautiful to look at. There's a lot mm-hmm. going on there. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Very cool story. Yeah, Tomie is one you feature prominently on the shelf and take down every once in a while to flip through and admire and feel something from. I think that it also is a representation of our caged art idea where we talk a lot about like um, we we talked about this on Genocyber where I said that like I don't fuck with nihilism as an ideology but my favorite art tends to be nihilistic art and that's because you know part of uh, art's function to society is like um or to even like a, a personal psyche is like it's a cage in which you can trap the worst ideas inside of or in in where you can safely represent the worst parts of humanity say like you know toxic succubi behavior or you know aggressive misogyny any of that can be thrown in um you know in the case of tomie you know like all that shit is inside of tomie and that's an important role for art i think you know be able to cage those feelings up and express them without having to actually you know cut a bitch up right and it ties it ties into what we were saying about you know not overthinking art too because that's the other half of it is that people stay depressed and anxious because they over intellectualize and they try to get to the bottom of what's wrong with them and they feel like if they just go to therapy and talk and talk and talk and talk they can rid themselves of these things and it's like no you don't think about it you just put your impulses into the art where it can live like a beautiful you you put your heart into it so it can grow a little head and that's right and you can swallow it up carry it around on your back (laughs) and then stab it in the face Luna, where can the people find you? You've got some new shit out. It's awesome. Yes. So where do people uh, locate this? Yes. um, I have a website, lunvd.com. Luna D, lunvd.com. All of my social media would be under Luna Diviner, at Luna Diviner, L-U-N-V Diviner. Yeah got a couple things working on more music stuff maybe some videos who knows you're always spilling out this uh art i mean you know it the whole it within this 12 year cycle where thing like certain things have been kind of suppressed by whatever it is like uh wokeism or polite society things that are like you should be it's bad to be pretentious and it's like you know art is a pretentious idea or whatever and you know where people try harder and harder with identity politics trying to keep themselves in boxes or uh find the right box for them you have been one of like these a a small like it's a it's a minority of artists who just keeps making the shit who's just doing whatever um, I, f- I feel like you have a, 
an honest relationship with whatever muse is, you know, speaking to you and through you. And I've fucked with every project that you put out. I think more and more people, if you listen to Agitator, uh, Luna D is sort of, is a major figurehead of the type of shit that we talk about on the show a lot. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that so much. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear. And like, I, I definitely relate to the idea of maybe a muse speaking through because literally whenever I sit down to create, I mean, I feel like I'm literally like channeling something else type of thing. Like, it's not really, that's why whenever people ask me about, or at, that's the reason you get a lot of artists giving answers. Like it just, it just came to me or it's just something I thought was cool. Or, you know, it's cause it's not really us, bro. We're just like channeling the shit. It feels like from some muse or some alternate dimension or something, you know, it's beautiful. Absolutely. Well, all right. Uh, that'll be it. All right, fellas. My, my boy is playing with his farm set. So I'm going to go hang out on the floor and play with the baby. All right. I'm going to go paint some shit, try to make some money. Cool. Yes, sir. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good talking to you boys, man. You too, man. Yeah, you too, dude. Always. Yeah, and you did 22, and now this is 44, so 66. So, the 22 disciples. <laughs> Later. Never give a fuck about what people think about you Be yourself and never fake it The other night I had another dream about you Man, I can't take it anymore I let me be for it I'm completely vacant And my heart and my headspace is sat adjacent To my thoughts need a house like David I refuse to take a red or a blue pill to the matrix I would never ever lose to you goofies You complacent Look What's the topic of your sermon, Reverend? I bet I heard of the Lord so I want to come to that again There's something that I cannot afford Heard the word and it burned from the inside to the skin Then I fell to the floor He lied to the people he hated And he lied to the people he loved and adored He forgot to save his place in the game So I had to revive him, been there before He survived from the mere thoughts of his loved ones With faces so pure He's alive to this day But he doesn't do the same things he did anymore He cried in the days Because every day is a shallow grave to endure Nobody show me where they go And I, 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 yeah I just want to let you know I never tried to let you down or see you cry. I hope you stick around, hope you stick around. Nobody show me where to go, and I, 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 yeah, I just wanna let you know the reason why. I never tried to let you down or see you cry. I hope you stick around, I hope you stick around.